What's going on, family? Pastor Sergio Chavez reporting live and direct to you and yours. And listen, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to the Hope Huddle Podcast, your place for inspiration, hope, and empowerment. I've been teaching over the last several weeks on the power and authority that a believer has in Christ. And just briefly, to to kind of recap what I've been teaching over the last several weeks, we see in the beginning, in the beginning of creation, God gave man, humankind, power and authority. He gave it to man. In the beginning, while he gave power, authority, the scripture says he gave him dominion to subdue over the earth, man or humankind lost that authority because of the will and choosing to obey or listen to the voice of the enemy. So man gave up that power, authority, and dominion because ultimately, legally, here on earth, man had that authority and he chose to give it up. Then sin entered through man into the world. It really began with Lucifer, now known as Satan, before he was the morning star, the bright and morning star. He had a positioning, he had a ranking. Pride entered his heart. He was extracted and expelled from heaven and then became the adversary, Satan, and taking one-third of the angels along with him. Now these are the powers that rise against the people of God, the children of God, and against, against those who have chosen to place their faith in Jesus here on earth. Now, evil entered when man gave up that authority. Sickness, suffering, illnesses, all matter of every type of infirmity entered once man gave up that right. But here is where I've been teaching on the powerful thing that I get so excited about is that when Jesus came on the earth, he didn't come as a spirit. He didn't come as an entity that you could not touch or feel. In fact, the Bible says that we don't have a high priest that we could not identify with. He had to come in the flesh so that we can see what love was embodied in the flesh. Sacrifice, unconditional grace and mercy, but at the same time righteous, holy and true. So he had to come in the earth in a body so that we can see a physical manifestation of God's power, love, dominion and authority. And Here's the beautiful thing. Jesus was crucified, was persecuted because he was healing, he was delivering, he came to set the oppressed free, he came to give unconditional love, and here it is, he, his, his coming to the earth had legal implications. Let me give you this scripture so that it can make a little more sense and I can bring it around because some of y'all look at me a little funny right now, but don't worry, I'm coming. I'm coming, it's gonna make all sense uh, uh, right here in a second. Colossians chapter two, verse 14 and 15. See, when Jesus came on the earth, it had legal implications. Before Jesus, after sin, evil, suffering into the world, because of the sin of the world, and God is sovereign, holy, and righteous, hell and destruction had to come because of that as a consequence. So when he came legally, our destiny was hell, the grave, destruction, poverty, chain, to be in bondage. But when Jesus came on the scene, he came to the earth as our lawyer. Thank you for the five that get excited about it because maybe the five know what it's like to need a lawyer. I don't know if you've ever been in trouble for the three of us. 
<laughs> and you needed someone's help that you did not deserve. You ever, you ever seen those lawyers you could not afford because they were the best in town? <laughs> Jesus said, you can't afford me. There's nothing that you can do, not money, not fame, not wealth, not likes on social media, no popularity, whatever it is that you try to do, not even the goodness in your sight. None of those things were, were good enough for us to be legally dismissed from our case of bondage. But when Jesus came in the scene, he came as an advocate. He came as the great lawyer, and here it is. Here's what he did. Having canceled the charge, this is so good, of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. See, our, 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 the case against us was condemnation. But he said he has taken it away, nailing it to the... So when he went on the cross, it was much more than just a simple one-day act or sacrifice. It had legal, eternal implications over our lives. And that death, that shedding of blood, the mockery, the persecution he went through, the beating and the submission that he had to go through, he did it for you and I to be legally dismissed from the case that was over our head. I wish I had somebody that can say, thank you, Lord, because I could not afford it. I did not deserve it I could not do it on my own but thank God for Jesus that when he went to the cross he took over that case and he said I'm gonna step in and I'm gonna dismiss your case watch this and having disarmed the powers and authorities that is demons that is the chains that is the bondage that is the sickness infirmity that was over your life that is the torment of your mind that is the restlessness that doesn't let you sleep that is that desire that, that of the addiction that, that you can't break on your own see that was what was over your life and he said I disarmed the power and authority and watch this I love it he made a public spectacle of him not only did he legally dismiss it, he said, I'm going to make a show out of this. I'm going to let you know who's the real boss up in here. And watch this. Triumphing over them by the cross. Let me move forward. Let's throw up that other scripture. I think I'm ready with it. Let's see. Okay. Here it is. Revelation chapter 1 verse 18. Ah. Jesus says, I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And here it is, I hold the keys of death and of Hades, that is hell. <laughs> I love you, Jesus. Is there anybody that loves him in this place? See, that, I couldn't serve any other God. I couldn't serve any other person because they didn't die for me and much less resurrect for me. So when people ask me, why do you believe the Bible? I believe that men that resurrected after three days of being in a tomb and being in a grave. If you go, if you go to the, the place of Golgotha, you will see that the cross is empty and the tomb is not there. He's not in there. He said, I resurrected with all power and all authority to be Lord of Lords. I feel this thing and King of Kings. 
That's, that's why I serve him. See, see, you can present to me all types of gods. You can present to me all the, all the money, everything in the wall, sell types of intentions. I would never surrender to anybody because those things would never die for me, fulfill me, give me purpose, eternal life, break the chains of my life. But Jesus did it for me. He said, I hold the keys. Why is keys so significant? Now get ready to get ready to catch it. Are you ready to catch it? Keys opened. That's an old song. Keys open doors. Keys says, no, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. I hold the keys of death and Hades. So let's go back. In the beginning of creation of the Garden of Eden, man had the When man gave up his will and surrendered to the temptation of the enemy, what happened? He gave the, Jesus came and he took the keys back and he said, I give it to you. Picture this, your life now, when you say yes to Jesus, that's why not only is he savior, but he wants to be your Lord. You can't just stop at salvation because salvation is the reborn experience according to John chapter three. When you are saved, you are reborn. That is your spirit is regenerated, but you can't stop at, sal at salvation because that's just the first step. It's important, it's vital, but it's the first step, not the last step. Salvation, your spirit gets regenerated, but, it, but after salvation, it's for your soul, your mind, will, intellect, and emotions to catch up to what happened in your spirit. Stopping at salvation is like looking at somebody and they're full grown, 30, 40, 50 years old, and they go around showing people their baby picture. Look at me when I was a baby. Just going... Just going around, look at me when I was a baby. Look at look how cute I am. Look at this, I'm so amazing. I was born, I was born. But what's happened since you were born? I know this might go over your head. See, there are many people that, that say, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, I'm saved, I go to church. But what's happened since you made that decision? See, there are people who, who had the born-again experience, and they come to church, but they still have the same chains, bondage, that they did 10 years ago. They still not being faithful to their wives or husbands. They still not serving. They come consistently, but nothing has happened. They still carry on the same chain. Why? Because it is up for you to make a decision. to take up that power and authority and say, praise God that I'm saved. He saved me from hell and destruction. But what he wants to do is take you past from being saved from hell to now saving you from yourself. So he gives you the keys back. He is the landlord of your soul, body, and spirit. Picture a landlord. A landlord owns the property, facility, or whatever it is. Lord over it, right? The landlord has the, and he gives it to the occupant so you can enter in and out. 
So Jesus desires not to only be your Savior, but he desires to be your Lord. Meaning that every day that you wake up, you say, my mind belongs to Jesus. My thoughts belong to Jesus. He is Lord over my emotions. My emotions are not Lord of my life. See, some of y'all still letting your emotions be your God and dictate your decisions, but you got to get to the place where you say, my emotions don't dictate my circumstance and my decision. My Lord and Savior leads me. I belong to him because watch this. He purchased me with his own blood. So he's Lord. So what begins to happen in the life of a believer? See, there's still the enemy. There's a thief. The Bible describes it in John chapter 10 as the thief that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. The thief only comes. The Bible describes him as a thief. In other words, so here you are. You have the landlord of your soul, your body, and your spirit. You have the keys. You have authority to serve the Lord, to be faithful, to break the chains off your life, to be faithful to the Lord, your calling, your purpose, to love people the same way that he's loved you, and, you, and to be a part of the church and to have a calling, and I, I can keep going and going. You have that authority, but here comes the thief. And what begins to happen is, so, so why these battles then? Why am I tormented? I'm a believer. Is Jesus' power not enough? And we begin to think that Jesus' power on the cross was not enough. We're already victorious. We're already triumphant. He's already taken the snatch, the key from hell and the grave. But what begins to happen is the enemy does what's called illegal activity. The thief. A thief does illegal activity. Here it is. When the thief comes knocking at your door, you got to keep the door closed. But what happens is we're in temptation, we're in a vulnerable state, and we give back that authority when we open the doors. When temptation's calling, when discouragement's calling, when deception is calling, when division is calling, that's the enemy, the thief, attempting illegal activity to get you to open the door. And what begins to happen is then, and I, and I touched on this, then we begin to sin. Then we begin to go through circumstances that lead us to open doors and portals in our lives. We give access to the enemy to wreak havoc in our lives. And so we begin to make what's called agreements. We give the enemy What's here? Watch this. Legal rights into our lives. I hope I'm helping somebody in this place. When we do that, we allow him to have access into our emotions. When we do that, we allow him to have access in our minds. The, the, if he has your mind, he doesn't have to do anything else. If, this, if the thief, if the enemy can have your mind, he has everything else. So when we give him access... He can take over and wreak havoc in our minds, in our speech, in the words that we say, in our, and we make agreements to fall into all types of addictions. We make agreements to accept the sickness and the infirmity that the enemy gave us. We make agreements when we step into religious error in whatever capacity. But here it is. I'm going to give you some quick things, and we're going to run through this, and then we're going to pray. And I want you to write these down because I want you to catch this. And I'm going to run through this quickly, quickly, quickly. So how do we close the doors or how do we take back those keys after we give in authority? Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Here's the first thing. Here's the first thing. We've got to have honesty through humility. 
if you want to break free after having given access to the enemy in chains for years, weeks, months, how do we begin to take steps to break free from those things? We need honesty through humility. I often say this, and it's such a profound truth, that what you don't reveal to the Lord, he cannot heal. What you conceal and try to keep from him, because see, he already knows all things. But when you yourself, knowing that he knows all things, but say, God, I choose to hold on to this, there's no way that he can break those chains. Because what you don't reveal, he cannot heal. In order for a doctor to do surgery, he's got to put a light on it. He's got to do the diagnostic. He's got to put the x-ray on that thing to be able to see where he needs to do the medical procedure with accuracy and precision. But if they need to do that and you're closed off, you will never be able to break free from those things. So we need honesty through humility. Watch this. I have this scripture just as I read it, just listen to it. In Psalm 32, 5, then I acknowledge my sin to you. This is David here speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, then I acknowledge my sin to you and did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave me and the guilt of my sin. There's power when you're honest with yourself. If you were in a 12-step program, you would say the first step in order for you to recover is you need to break that denial. <laughs> so me, I've been having these chains, and that's why you can't be faithful to the Lord, to the call of God over your life, and you just keep saying, it's all right, I got it under control, I'm gonna be all right, God still loves me, he knows my heart. Baby, you gotta be honest through humility. The Bible declares that he resists the proud. He loves everyone. He will love you even if you're proud. But the Bible says while he loves you, he still resists you. But a person that's humble, he said he will never reject. He will never dismiss. He is close to those that are humble that say, God, I, here's my brokenness. I'm jacked up. I'm messed up. This is the specific area. This is the thing that I'm doing. But I'm honest to say, God, here I am. Do something in my life honesty through humility the second thing is repentance in order for you to break from those things you need a repentant heart often we hear that word and we get intimidated we go to churches because we heard that that old preacher yell out repent and so we we, we kind of get guarded but but this is not something to, to to make you get get put on guard repentance the, the literal translation of repentance means a turning and a changing of direction. So when you repent, you say, I was headed in this direction, but I realized there is a better way, so I am doing a 180. I am turning and going in the direction that God has for me. That's repentance. So, so, so you can ask for forgiveness, but if it's not attached to with repentance, nothing will break in your life. So repentance means action. It means actually changing the course. It means changing some things in your environment. It means saying no to certain relationships and going out on a Friday night when you know that's the thing that makes you fall. I'm talking to somebody, but it's mighty quiet up in here. All right, all right. Uh, I'm getting a little nervous now, but in Jesus' name, I'm gonna get this thing back. So you know that when you get that call, if you don't press decline, that's the thing that's gonna distract you and deter you. So repentance means changing of action and a changing of course so you need repentance which is the action attached to saying God here is my honesty and here is my humility the third thing is renunciations 
Renunciation means to reject. It means to hit the block button. It means to cancel. Whatever, whatever tie and chain that is over your life and whatever and wherever it came from, whether it be through inheritance, because there are some chains that come through inheritance. There are some chains that happen to you because you were a child and you had a traumatic experience happen to you. And I don't want to get too deep on this. I'm going to teach on this in the next coming weeks. But the reason why some of you went through, some of y'all wonder, if God loved me, why did I go through that as a child? Why did I go through that trauma? Because can I tell you, the Bible says that the angel of the Lord accompany those who fear him and protect them. Just in the same way from you, when you were born, God assigned angels to your life. The enemy also assigned demons to your life. How do I know that the enemy, Pharaoh, wanted to kill Moses before he became a deliverer? Before Jesus, but even before he came on the earth, the enemy had already a plot to kill babies that were born during a certain time. Because the enemy will do everything to kill your purpose, even from when you're young. And here's what happened. Maybe somebody in your family, friends, relative, community member, maybe they gave access to that door. But I'm so glad today that whatever you went through, even in your childhood, God says, I can restore the years that you lost. I can heal the things that you went through. I wish I had somebody. I can break the chains even from inheritance, even generational curses that were placed on you. I can break those things in the name of Jesus because of what was done in the cross so you got to renounce those things if you see some chains in your family you guys I'll cancel that in my life I rebuke that I don't receive that when people speak a negative word over you you better cancel and reject those words you accepting every word of fear of defeat of sickness of depression and everybody tell yeah it's because you're depressing you're like yeah I am you better say in Jesus name I declare that I am free you got power and authority, baby. Let me move forward. The next thing is forgiveness. <sighs> Am I doing all right in the back? Am I doing all right in the back? Wave at me if I'm doing okay. I just want to know that, that y'all are receiving the word. When you forgive, you break the back of the enemy. You break the back of demons when you forgive. Forgiveness is so powerful. It doesn't mean to reconcile with the person or the circumstance that hurt you. It don't mean that all of a sudden you trust them. The Bible says love. That don't mean trust. I don't find that anywhere in the Bible. I can love you <laughs> and pray for you, but you can go on about your way. <laughs> Forgiveness is not saying that you're justifying their action. Forgiveness is saying Jesus has forgiven me. And as long as I hold to this bitterness, as long as I hold on to this resentment, as long as I hold on to that circumstance, what that person did, what that person said, as long as I hold on to that, can I let you know the enemy will always have a foothold on you as long as you hold on to it. Because forgiveness is about you being set free. 
Forgiveness is about saying, I'm moving forward, believing that the past is behind me. Believing the word, because this is not about opinion. This is what the word of God said. Uh, behold, those who are in Christ Jesus are new creation. The old has passed away. I do a new thing. The old is gone and is done away with. I washed that sin, that trauma, that bitterness, and I sent it to the, to the sea of forgetfulness. You are a new creation. So when you forgive, you are aligning your thought, your heart with the word of God. But so long as you don't forgive, the enemy always has access to your heart. Access. He can wreak havoc in your life. Because every time you see that person, you, that bitterness rises up inside you. That resentment rises up inside of you. And you and you are wishing for that person to die, or you're wishing them, you're wishing them all types of evil, and nothing is happening to them. I'm talking to somebody. You, you, you still have them on your social media. Every time you see them, you, 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 you're tempted to sin. You just want to cuss them out when you see a picture because you haven't forgiven yet and you just want to lose your mind every time you see them because you haven't let it go and they're just living their life and here you are tormented based on what happened 10, 15 years ago. Today's your day to forgive. Today is your day to be set free. I'm declaring that in the name of Jesus. Today is the day to let that go. But it's not just letting it go. Where do I let it go, Pastor? You lay it at the foot of the cross. You lay it at the place of the Savior where he shed his blood, where he died, where he was bruised, where he was battered. He said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. The Bible declares, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you also. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. But if you do not forgive others in their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. You break the back of the enemy when you forgive. Ah, oh, my goodness. Let me, two things quick, two things quick, two things quick. Prayer and warfare. And then we're going to... Prayer and warfare. Prayer and warfare. Prayer and warfare. The Bible declares, come boldly before the throne of grace in the book of Hebrews. When you say yes to Jesus, he gives you access. You become a king and a priest, meaning you have direct access to the throne of grace. You have direct access to the Father. You can pray to him. He's faithful and just. He's open. He's sovereign. He's king. And he is a father. That's a beautiful thing. You can go to your father in prayer. The difference between prayer and warfare, prayer is to God. Warfare is against the enemy. There are some things when, when this illegal activity starts to happen, when the enemy starts to fight you, that's when you have to fight against the enemy and take up warfare. Meaning that you stand on the word of God. Meaning that you fight back because our battle is not against flesh and blood. The Bible says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but the mighty in God for the destroying or the pulling down of strongholds. So we demolish and take captive every thought that rises against the, the knowledge of God and we take it obedient to Christ. So our, the way that we fight in warfare is not, listen, you don't become a ghostbuster and go chasing demons. <laughs> but when a demon starts messing with you, because there are some demons you can't fight for other people. You may not have that authority. But the ones that's bothering you, you got full authority to, in Jesus' name, stand up against them. Using the word of God. Using the weapon of prayer. Using, watch this, worship. <laughs> that's why the enemy will always want to silence your worship. Don't sing. Don't lift up your hands. Don't worship. Why? Because as long as he can keep you silent, he can keep you defeated. 
And some of y'all can't even say amen. Come on, come on, come on. Fight this thing. Say amen. As long as he can keep you silent, he can shut your destiny. You fight through worship. You fight through your praise. Prayer and warfare. In Jesus' name, we're going to break some stuff today. Once again, much love and appreciation for listening to today's message. I'm so glad that you've been a part of the listening experience. But let me tell you, there's nothing like the live experience. It cannot be explained, only experienced. And so I encourage you to come out on a Sunday so you can listen to the messages live and be a part of a wonderful atmosphere within family and within community. You can find more information about our gatherings on our website at myhopecenter.org. Also make sure to follow us. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Our handle is at myhopecenter. I also encourage you to subscribe to our podcast so that you get notified as soon as we upload content. Make sure to share it with your friends and your family. There's someone that you know that could really benefit from these messages. So make sure to spread the word about what's happening here on the Hope Huddle podcast. So again, I hope to see you soon. Until then, peace, love, and God bless.